What's going on, family? Happy Tuesday. Welcome to another edition of the Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, GB, Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. I hope your day and your week is off to a fantastic start. Man, there's a lot going on in the world of pro wrestling, and we will get into as much of that as we possibly can. We won't try to knock it all out today, but you know how we do. First, a big thank you to everyone who's joined us on the socials at the Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Big shout Shouts to everybody who also joins us by subscribing to our podcast. We see you, we hear you, and we appreciate you. You absolutely rock. And if you're amongst the Faction Nation that does both, thank you so very much. You deserve another jewel in your crown. That is amazing. And speaking of crown jewel, we'll kind of touch on that in a little bit. But first, we've got a lot of ground to cover. I want to start with Friday night because Friday night was the first time we've seen any degree of head-to-head competition between AEW and WWE since the Wednesday night war earlier this year, which is totally safe to say that AEW won in their battle against NXT. What we've not seen before is AEW take any of their shows and go head-to-head with a Raw or SmackDown episode. Now, to put some things in context, AEW Dynamite and Monday Night Raw have had an interesting battle over that all-important 18-49 to demographic, and there have been actually several instances over the last few weeks where AEW Dynamite has beaten Raw. Now, we're looking at a scenario of having again AEW Rampage going head-to-head with SmackDown. Before I get into the numbers, I do want to talk about the significance of this because at one time SmackDown was WWE's second show, second in terms of originating, second in terms of importance, second in terms of ratings. Now that SmackDown is in the Fox family, SmackDown is by far the number one show, not just from a content perspective, but from a ratings perspective as well as it is actually on network television versus cable television. So this week, of course, SmackDown was preempted on Fox because of Major League Baseball and the playoffs, so it was moved over to FS1, a much smaller cable network than TNT or USA. So certainly there was a question in terms of how that would go. Couple that with AEW deciding 30 minutes to battle isn't enough, considering that SmackDown made a super SmackDown decision, turning their two-hour show into a two-and-a-half-hour show. So Tony Khan and AEW said, well, we'll make this competition longer than 30 minutes. We'll decide to go with an hour-long buy-in on YouTube. So I'll just say this. It's kind of hard to compare apples to apples on this because when we look at AEW's YouTube numbers, one of the big differences is you can continue to watch that and get additional views, which of course will spike your numbers to some degree. Comparing internet versus cable television is also problematic. So let's talk a little bit about what actually happened on Friday night, and you can certainly be the judge. One thing is for certain, during the actual 30 minutes that they battled, things got very interesting. So SmackDown in total drew 866,000 viewers during the two and a half hour show. During Rampage's one-hour show, they drew 578,000 viewers, so some would call that a win for SmackDown. However, 
during that key demographic of 18 to 49, during that 30 minutes where Rampage and SmackDown were head-to-head, Rampage actually pulled in 328,000 viewers in that key demographic, while SmackDown pulled in 285,000 viewers. So, depending upon which set of numbers you want to look at, you could argue a victory for Rampage, or you could argue a victory for SmackDown. Understanding that both shows are fighting very hard for that 18 to 49 demographic, we could give a victory to AEW. Let's also throw throw in something that's equally interesting and that is AEW's buy-in the buy-in for AEW that featured three big matches including Ty Conti against Santana Garrett the newly signed Bobby Fish against the newly signed Lee Moriarty and the dream match of Brian Danielson against Minoru Suzuki as of right now that has 982 thousand views in other words it's almost at a million views which is pretty significant right now we can't necessarily say what that viewership was like during that hour but we can say it's a great look for AEW who again isn't necessarily accustomed to doing a buy-in for Rampage. Let's also throw one other thing in here, and I think this is important. Friday night at 10 p.m. Eastern is a rather challenging night for pro wrestling, and here's why. Yes, there is still a global pandemic that's happening, but people are making the decision to step out and do things, right? And so with that, be it 10 p.m. Eastern or even 8 p.m. Eastern for SmackDown, Friday nights aren't necessarily nights that wrestling fans might spend at home. So there's also the group of fans who would watch on demand, and some of those numbers aren't necessarily counted in this discussion. With all of that said, I think it's safe to say it was just a great night for pro wrestling. It was an absolute dream match that we got on AEW side on WWE side it was the go home show for Crown Jewel that actually had an amazing tag team title match between the Usos and the Street Profits it's a win all the way around here's my however and comma to that So SmackDown, if you're going to extend your show for 30 minutes, does that mean that we get 30 more minutes of action? Does that mean that we get more in-ring content? That's not what happened. Actually, there were a lot more prepared packages that were shown, and it felt like less in-ring action over this two-and-a-half-hour period than we might normally have on a two-hour episode of SmackDown. So I think SmackDown's got some work to do. I don't know that we necessarily want to see or can afford to see a head-to-head battle again between AEW's Rampage and SmackDown, but it's certainly interesting in theory. Now, in terms of the actual better show, I'm going to go out on a limb and just say this. I enjoyed the buy-in from AEW more than Rampage itself. Rampage, of course, built strongly on CM Punk versus Matt Seidel, which I get that. Matt Seidel, great athlete, great wrestler. He's done quite a bit in the sport, but I don't know that he has the name recognition that would get people to want to watch him versus CM Punk. Quite honestly, Danielson versus Suzuki, the dream match, being on free internet, 
kind of crazy to me. So to me, that coupled with a great opportunity to see Lee Moriarty, a great women's match in Ty Conti and Santana Garrett gives the buy-in the better show for me between SmackDown and Rampage, to be perfectly honest with you. So a great night of content for all considering all that happened between Rampage and SmackDown. Now then, we have to get to this week because this week has a lot more significance than many of you may realize. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. What are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient and I announced that we were gonna start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How do we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here for it a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year is going to be mine, COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a win, Okay, so let's, well, I'll talk a little bit about Raw last night. Raw last night uh, emanating from Sacramento, California, the go-home show for Raw for Crown Jewel, the pay-per-view, which is this Thursday. I thought we had an amazing main event between Bianca Belair and Charlotte Flair for the Raw Women's Championship. I also wondered if this was going to be how they take the Raw Women's title off of Charlotte as Charlotte is moving to SmackDown. With no title change actually happening, it does bear the question, how does the Raw Women's Championship get off of Charlotte if Charlotte is going to SmackDown? Equally, how does the SmackDown Women's Championship get off of Becky Lynch as Becky Lynch is headed to Raw? The obvious answer seems to be at Crown Jewel for Sasha to somehow win the SmackDown Women's title. But I don't know what's going to happen. None of us know what's going to happen. Which now leads us to the significance of this week. 
So we had Monday Night Raw, of course, last night. Tonight we've got NXT, the last episode of NXT before next week's Halloween Havoc, which will certainly take some time uh, in the coming days to talk about. But what's happening this week, which is intriguing, is Thursday is now must-see TV for the sport of pro wrestling, particularly this Thursday. As this Thursday, we will see both Crown Jewel and the finals of the G1 Climax Tournament for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Strangely enough, the last time that Crown Jewel or Super Showdown, one of those Saudi Arabia shows happened, also happened on the same day as a major New Japan Pro Wrestling event. Kind of wild how that happened. I doubt that it's planned, but it's really intriguing. So before I get into Crown Jewel... I want to talk about what's happening at the G1 Climax. In case you're unfamiliar with all of this tournament talk, you know, there's the Queen's Crown Tournament, there's the King of the Ring Tournament, but perhaps the oldest and arguably the most prestigious and long-running tournament in pro wrestling is the G1 Climax. The G1 Climax is really the space, it's a round-robin tournament that happens over three weeks, three to four weeks, that ultimately will determine who will get the item WGP heavyweight championship shot at Wrestle Kingdom and if the champion wins they get to choose their opponent so when we're talking about determining the main event for Wrestle Kingdom that's a big deal New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom has really raised the bar across the world for so many wrestlers and so many events and arguably so many promotions as well so that's why the G1 Climax is so important. Now in its 31st year, it's really kind of crazy to see what's happening. So let's talk a little bit about what happened this week. As history was made yesterday, as Kota Ibushi comes out of Block A as the winner of Block A. It looked like that was going to be impossible as he started kind of slow, losing two of his first three matches, including one of the craziest losses ever to Yujiro Takahashi. Nobody saw that one coming. But Ibushi rounds things out with a big, big win as he defeated Kenta in a huge match, claiming his fourth consecutive spot in the finals of the G1 Climax Tournament. He has won two of his last three tournaments. Can he make this three for four this week? Again, he had a huge win over Kenta, putting him at the top spot, edging out the IWGP heavyweight champion Shingo Tagaki, who had 13 points, Ibushi had 14 points, followed by Zack Sabre Jr., who had 12, and Kenta, who had 12 as well. Mind you, Kenta, Zack Sabre Jr., Shingo Tagaki, and Kota Ibushi all went into Monday tied for first place in the A block. So crazy to see Ibushi come out of there as the winner. Now the question is, who will Ibushi face Thursday? Well, here are your options. Right now, leading the pack in the B block is Jeff Cobb, who is undefeated right now. 16 points eight wins he's going to be taking on the former iwgp heavyweight champion kazuchika okada who has 14 points seven wins one loss the winner of that match wins the b block and will go on on thursday to take on kota abushi to see who wins the g1 climax and who battles for the iwgp heavyweight championship 
at Wrestle Kingdom. This is going to be massive, guys. So you'll be able to check that out on NJPW World live as it happens. And again, that's going down on Thursday, October the 21st. That's when you'll be able to check that out. It's going to air in the morning here in the U.S. Of course, it'll be in the evening there in Japan. And then from there... Later that day, around 12 p.m. Eastern, you have the Crown Jewel pay-per-view, which I will say is shaping up to be perhaps the most significant pay-per-view ever out of Saudi Arabia. You've got major, major title matches happening, including Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. You've got Big E against Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. You've got tag title matches happening, the King of the Ring and Queen's Crown Tournament Finals happening there, Goldberg and Lashley. It's a pretty massive card, to say the least. Now, I know... A lot of us have had all sorts of questions about the WWE's affiliation with Saudi Arabia. There have been all sorts of things that have come out. There have been some real challenges even in travel historically as well. But with all of that said, they're back on the block. It's happening this Thursday on Peacock where you can see the WWE Network. And we'll spend some more time digging into that card probably tomorrow on the show and digging into, of course, the G1 Climax card that's also happening on Thursday. Huge day for wrestling internationally. Really, really crazy to see. But we'll dig into that. But I do want to ask on the outset, will you be watching Crown Jewel, the pay-per-view, and or will you be watching the G1 Climax? Hit us up on the socials at The Faction Show and let us know. All right, guys, we're going to get out of here. I hope you have an absolutely amazing day. Can't wait to hear from you on the socials. Hope you enjoy this episode for sure. Reach out to us, of course, at The Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and let your voice be heard. Until next time, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. My name is Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. I lead my 